So we are continuing our study of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, we are on the third canto, chapter 14. And let's see. Last week, we... Let me get my notes here. Last week we ended around text 34. Right? 31. Oh, 31. We just finished 31. Okay. So we're going to read the translations up to 38. So verse 32. Thereafter, the Brahmana took his bath in the water and and controlled his speech by practicing trance, meditating on the eternal effulgence and chanting the holy Gayatri hymns within his mouth. So who is the Brahmana we're talking about? Kasyaf, yes. O son of the Bharat family, Ditti, after this, went nearer to her husband, her face lowered because of her faulty actions. She spoke as follows. The beautiful Ditti said, my dear Brahmana, Kindly see that my embryo was not killed by Lord Shiva, the Lord of all living entities, because of the great offense I have committed against him. Let me offer my obeisances unto the angry Lord Shiva, who is simultaneously the very ferocious great demigod and the fulfiller of all material desires. So that's an interesting combination right there. <laughs> ferocious and fulfilling all material desires. He is all auspicious and forgiving, but his anger can immediately move him to chastise. So what are those two names for Lord Shiva? And? Isn't there another one? Easily, oh, easily satisfied is Asutosh. Anyway, he can easily be satisfied and he can also get angry pretty easily also, right? Yes. Let him be pleased upon us since he is my brother-in-law the husband of my sister Sati. He is also the worshipful Lord of all women. He is the personality of all opulences and can show mercy towards women who are excused even by the uncivilized hunter. Maitreya said, the great sage Kasyapa thus addressed his wife who was trembling because of fear that her husband was offended. She understood that he had been, that he had been dissuaded from his daily duties of offering evening prayers, yet she desired the welfare of her children in the world. The learned Kasyapa said, because of your minds being polluted, because of defilement at the, of the proper time, because of your negligence of my directions, and because of your, apathet, uh, your apathetic, being, I'm sorry, because of your being apathetic to the demigods, everything was inauspicious. And Srila Prabhupada writes in the purport that according to Vedic society, there is a suitable auspicious time for sex life, which is called the time of Karbatana. Diti neglected all the principles of scriptural injunctions, and therefore, although he was very anxious for auspicious children, she, although she was very anxious, uh, she was informed that her children would not be, worth, uh, would not be worthy to be sons of a Brahmana. 
there is a clear indication here in that a Brahmana's son is not always a Brahmana. So that's uh, one simple point that I think we, we know quite well. Uh, what's the example that Prabhupada would often give? Right, or he used to say high court judge generally. Generally, sometimes maybe he used doctor, somebody often the high court judge said, just because you're the son of a high court judge doesn't make you automatically a high court judge. Matter of fact, I dealt with a lot of high court judges in India, and a lot of their sons would not be even close to being ready to be <laughs> high court judges themselves. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> then a little further, certainly unwanted children cannot be a source of happiness in society. And then Prabhupada gives a little uh, uh, olive branch. Uh, but through the Krishna consciousness movement, they can be raised to the human standard by chanting the holy name of God. That is a unique contribution of Lord Chaitanya to human society. So wh whether us in this room, whether we are, uh, were born due to our parents performing Karbodhan or not, uh, we have a special dispensation uh, given by Lord Chaitanya. Um, Prabhupada writes in other places that the protection of children gives the human form of life its best chance to prepare the way for liber liberty from material bondage. Such protection of children begins, sometimes we talk about protecting children, right? And we have a child protection team in the temple and we don't allow children under 12 to run free in the temple, but it begins from the very day of beginning a child by the purificatory process of Karbodhan Sanskar, the beginning of pure life. In another place he writes, the first samskar, the garbodhan samskar, or child beginning samskar, is compulsory, especially for the higher castes, the brahmanas and the chatriyas. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, sex life, which is not against religious principles, is Krishna himself. And according to religious principles, when one wants to beget a child, he must perform the garbodhan samskar before having sex. The mental state of the father and mother before sex will certainly affect the mentality of the child to be begotten. A child who is begotten out of lust may not turn out as the parents desire. Right? So Srila Prabhupada also kind of um, tying in with what we read about the power of the holy name uh, recommended a very simple samskar for us. Right? That was that the husband and wife chant at least 50 rounds of japa. Like that, and that would be what he considered the best way to get uh, uh, people in the proper mindset. <laughs> I guess this, this reminds me of a really funny story. I'm not good at telling stories, uh, although the devotee who, who this happened to and who will be here at the uh, around, uh, I think, two, let's see, about a month from now, uh, Shonaka Rishi Prabhu. So he was giving a talk at a temple, there was a bunch of sannyasis there. And he confused the word samskara with garbodhan. So he said, everyone should perform garbodhan. <laughs> all the brahmacharyas, all the sannyasis. <laughs> and they're all like... <laughs> and one sannyasi said, ah, Shonaka, I think you mean samskara, right? Not, yeah. <laughs> but he tells the whole story, and it's quite, it's quite funny the way it happened. <laughs> So he got those confused. But it is, it's an important point, and this is brought up also. Where in the Bhagavad Gita is this talked about? Uh, 
Yes, that's right. Which chapter? Yeah, first chapter, yes. Right. What's that verse? How does it begin? 140? My mind is... One forty. Anyone look it up real quick? I know. I know the verse, but I just can't remember how it begins. Um, and when, anyway, when children, be, when the women become polluted, there becomes unwanted progeny. So you know the uh, the the Garbhadan Sanskar is such a uh, important feature in uh, in Grihastha life. You know, whatever wherever one's mind may be. What is how is it? Adharma bivava Krishna pradushanti kulastriya striyovai no <laughs> I'm getting the verse but anyway that's how it begins Adharma bivava Krishna pradushanti kulastriya stristu dustashu varshneya jayate varna sang sankara yeah so varna sankara right so uh, and the int- the interesting thing is after one chants at least fifty rounds. <coughs> One's mind isn't very lusty. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, it's a good plan. Yeah. Any thoughts on this? Okay. Then we'll continue. Text 39. O, o haughty one, you will have two contemptuous sons born of your condemned womb. Remember, we have to keep reminding ourselves sometimes as we read some of these that this is all the arrangement of the Lord. Unlucky woman, they will cause constant lamentation to all the three worlds. They will kill poor, faultless living entities, torture women, and enrage the great souls. At that time, the Lord of the universe, the supreme personality of Godhead, who is a well-wisher of all living entities, will descend and kill them just as Indra smashes the mountains with his thunderbolts. And then the purport, Prabhupada makes a point that's a very important point um, because it, it, it helps us re, um, remember and understand Krishna's nature. He just one sentence, the Supreme Personality of God does not need to descend in order to kill any strongly built body. He comes down just for the sake of his devotees. So this is explained also in Prabhupada's purport of that verse, Yada Yadahi Dharmasya, Glanir Bhavati Parata, Bhutanam Dharmasya Tadatmanam. Krishna says, I come again and again, Paritranaya Sadunam Vyash Vinashaya Tadustriam to deliver the sadhus and annihilate the miscreants. But in the purport, Prabhupada brings up the point that's brought up many times by our, our acharyas. Krishna doesn't have to come personally to take care of the miscreants. He can send a hurricane or this or that. Um, but he really, his, his focus is paritranaya sadhunam, to deliver those who are de- devoted to him. Because of all of Krishna's various qualities, his most important quality is bhaktavatsal, that he's uh, inclined to his devotees. So, so still, even when he takes care of the demons, uh, he does it generally pretty much for the pleasure of the devotees. Right? Yeah, and he, you know, he takes care of the demons sometimes. And Nishangadev. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just an important point to remember because sometimes in certain faiths, they often talk about the wrath of God. Right? Have you heard of that in your Episcopal uh, 
presentation yeah the wrath of god right uh um and you know uh you can you can get god upset how what's the best way to get god upset yep offend his devotees right because uh the devotees are tadia they're dear to krishna so if you want to you know we all know that right if someone offends us eh Right? If someone offends our mother or father, or our spiritual master, our children, we become 10 times as angry. Right? It's a natural thing, our, our spouse. So um, that's a good way to get Krishna upset. <laughs> but in general, he doesn't have to, you know, first of all, everyone has to die anyway, right? But his, his focus is in uh, protecting his devotees. Now, how that protection comes about that's out of our control because we usually have our ways that we would like Krishna. I would really like to protect you to protect me uh, by a uh, uh, eight-bedroom house in Potomac and a nice Lexus and you know my son or daughter getting into Harvard. That would be very nice protection, <laughs> first-class protection. So we may have our plans of what that protection may take place, and that's actually out of our control. But we, but we do have his promise. You declare it, Arjuna, my devotee will never perish. So it's just, a, it, you know, it's, it's, this one, it's one of those things where it's one sentence in this purport, but it kind of jumps out as such an important point. He comes down just for the sake of his devotees. So that's our Krishna. Some thoughts on that? Um, this particular statement of the Supreme Lord descending just for the sake of devotees reminds me of uh, a conversation that I have with one of my friends. He has a very limited understanding and he, he thinks that he knows more things, but when it comes to Don't we all? The, yeah, the Leela, he says like, oh, just because of Ravana, Rama had to come. Uh-huh. So then this is a very good statement to present before such an <laughs> argument and say like the Supreme Lord doesn't even need to descend to annihilate the miscreants. He right. can just like will and they will be gone. But right. he just descends just to interact with his devotees. Yeah, if Ravana would have just kidnapped another demoness, Ram Ram, <laughs> literally, right? <laughs> but because he kidnapped Sita, Yes, I mean he played his part, but uh, the main thing was that that Ram came to deliver Sita, in that sense. Yes. So similarly, Hiranji Kashipu paid his part, and we're going to hear they, they're all everyone's kind of playing a part. But what's what's really being revealed here is Krishna's heart, his his uh, you know uh, his inclination to his devotees. Yeah. Okay, shall we continue? Sure. Diti said, okay, now she, she just heard this whole thing, right? Uh, although she heard some good news at the end, right? At the very last verse, that her sons would be killed by Krishna or by the Lord. So she says that, she, you know, she, you know we, do we ever do that? We hear a whole bunch of things and we pick up on one thing, right? So, uh, you know, we got to give her credit for that, right? She heard all about how, you know, she was called by her husband, uh, you know, 
haughty and she's gonna she has a condemned womb. She didn't comment on that. But she does say, it is very good that my sons will be magnanimously killed by the arms of the personality of Godhead with his suitor's son weapon. Oh, my husband, may they never be killed by the wrath of the Brahmana devotees. Um, that's interesting. Prabhupada writes, when Diti heard from her husband that the great souls would, would be angered by the activities of her son, she was anxious. She thought that her sons might be killed by the wrath of the Brahmanas. The Lord does not appear when the Brahmanas become angry at someone because the wrath of a Brahman is sufficient in itself. He certainly appears, however, when the devotees simply become sorry. A devotee of the Lord never prays to the Lord to appear for the sake of the troubles the miscreants cause for him and never bothers him by asking for protection. Rather, the Lord is anxious to give protection to the devotees. Diti knew well that the killing of her sons by the Lord would also be his mercy, and therefore she says that the wheel and arms of the Lord are magnanimous. Right? So here's, uh, Diti knew the philosophy, right? She must have studied the Bhagavatam or, you know, <laughs> of course she's in the Bhagavatam, you know what I mean? But she actually understood that point. That, so she, she was, she, um, yeah, she took the good. A person who is condemned by a Brahmin, she's continuing, or is always fearful of other living entities is not favored by either uh, uh, is not favored either by those who are already in hell or by those in the species in which he is born. The learned Kas... Wait a second, did I just skip a bunch? No, we're doing okay? Yeah. The learned Kasyapa said, because of your lamentation, this is an important point, because of your lamentation, penitence, that means um, um, repentance, yes, and proper deliberation, so lamentation, repentance, and philosophical thought, proper deliberation. And also because of your unflinching faith in the Supreme Personality of Godhead and your adoration for Lord Shiva and me, one of the sons, who's that? Of your son, Hiranyakashipu, will be a, an approved devotee of the Lord and his fame will be broadcast equally with that of the personality of God. So, you know, Diti, we don't want to criticize Diti, right? She's obviously a great soul because it says because of her flinching, unflinching faith, because she did something wrong and she felt repentance, because she lamented the mistakes she made, and because she became, she developed her proper deliberation, at least in this case, it's saying Prahlad was born. And of course, that makes the whole thing worthwhile. Right, that this great, great devotee. So, um, you know, Diti's uh, temporary loss of intelligence also arranged by the Lord, but she is, uh, you know, she had a great comeback plan. <laughs> but she did the right thing. She lamented, she felt repentance, and she got her intelligence back. Any thoughts on that? I have a yes. Many times I find myself in such a situation where I have uh, being caused Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyakashipu. No, 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 no. Not, not oh, to that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
uh, where I feel like, okay, I should not have done this, but I just go ahead and do it. And yeah, there is some regret, but this, it, it's not like a very thoughtful and uh, prayerful uh, meditation like Diti had. That, okay, I, she, she sincerely regretted and also she had this strong faith in the Supreme Lord. Right. But in my case, like it's uh, the, the faith in God is there, but it's not as deep as she has. Okay, so, so what else is like, new? <laughs> yeah, it's like a work in progress. So it's right. still, the, the regret is not deep enough. Well, uh, um, regret and lamentation are interesting topics. Um, we learn from, nectar, from the uh, Upadek Samrita, Nectar of Instruction that there is no need for prayaschitta in Krishna consciousness, right? Prayaschitta uh, is you perform a mistake and the Vedas have some kind of prescription on how to overcome that sin or that, uh, mainly that sin, right? So, you know, just like one goes to the, uh, in Catholicism, one goes and uh, goes to the, father, goes to the um, what is it called again? Confessional, yeah, the confessional, yeah. And the first thing you say is, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, right? That's the first statement out of your mouth. And uh, then you tell what, what, what you did last week. And uh, you, there's some prescription, certain Hail Marys and things like that to say, which we could get, we could get more deeper if that's a prayaschit or if that's chanting the holy names. And, you know, but uh, regardless, so the Vedas have different prescriptions. Uh, but Rupa Goswami says that all we have to do is again engage in devotional service, right? Just like that verse in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, verse 30, apichet sudaracharo. So apichet means even if, right? And it usually explains a impossible situation. Even if you were sudaracharo, did very terrible things, Right? Durachar means bad activity. Sudarachar means like really bad, right? Uh, but if you're budgete mum ananyabak, if you're engaged in devotional service, then sadureva, one has to be considered a sadhu. So just performing devotional service is the recommendation when we mess up. Now, it's also said here, it's obviously clear that lamentation and repentance can be helpful. But like so many things in this world, they can be anukul, but they can also be pratikul. They can be favorable and they can be unfavorable. My, my, ex, my experience and what I've witnessed over the years is it can be favorable if you lament for a few minutes, you know, a little while, repent, and then do devotional service. It becomes unfavorable when you just meditate on, all, on the mistakes you made. Oh, I did this, and oh, I did that, and I did this. And then... Uh, you, you're meditating at, what's that verse in 262 and 63? That you're meditating on it and you're going to do it again. So we don't want to meditate on our mistakes, our fall downs, etc. Um, but we want to uh, learn from that mistake. And then here it says proper deliberation. Think clearly and then take action. And then look at the results for Diti. Very good results. You got Pralad Maharaj. So, um, it's, so it's that balance. We do want, um, in another place when uh, Yudhisthira was lamenting that so many 
people were killed in the Battle of Kurukshetra, and he, in his mind, he's thinking, uh, just to put me on the throne. And in, the in one of the purports, Prabhupada says that lam such lamentations comes naturally in the heart of a good soul. Um, do you know how to put on that air conditioner? I think we need to, we don't usually run the loud one during class, but we run one because we got to cool this place down for uh, the Sunday program. It's that, that thing there, yeah. Thank you, Prabhu. Um, so any thoughts on that? Other thoughts? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Yeah, okay. Yes, so verse 46. In order to follow in his footsteps, saintly persons will try to emulate his character by practicing freedom from animosity, just as the purifying process uh, processes rectify gold of inferior quality. Thank you. So that's... Uh, Here's one of the qualities that's highlighted of Prahlad Maharaj in this verse. Freedom from animosity. Freedom from animosity. That's, uh, um, that, that includes a lot of, for a devotee, it doesn't mean just like, you know, taking a chill pill or, you know, you know you're upset and take some Prozac and everything just kind of looks okay, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, there's different levels in which one can practice trying to be free from animosity, right? And the highest level is to see Krishna's hands in things, right? And then you have that, that, that instruction that Prabhupada gave to uh, Peter Burwash that, you know, don't be upset at the agent of your karma, right? So that, may, that turns animosity on, it, on its head, right? The whole thing looks different. If someone does us wrong, uh, and then we see, oh, now that person is delivering to me my karma. I shouldn't be upset. He's just the mailman. It's just like you get upset, you get a letter from the mailman, just like I got a letter from the mailman uh, about six months ago uh, from uh, the water company saying that I owed $3,000 water bill. Now, if I really got upset with the mailman, I said, how can you give me such a letter? You nonsense, you rascal. You know, no, no tip during Christmas this year for you, right? It would be, it would be silly. Oh, thank you for, yeah. It would be silly. He's just the deliverer. It's not his fault, right? Um, so similarly, um, not to get angry at the agent of a karma. So that's an that's a elevated level. That's something to work at uh, because, it's, it's because it's so elevated, it is one of the qualities here, at least it's the quality here that Prahlad Maharaj is glorified for. So any thoughts on animosity? Yes? Hare Krishna. So again, uh, this is throughout Srimad Bhagavatam, we see the examples. Parikshit Maharaj himself, when he was cursed by Shringi, he didn't retaliate. He had full capability to do that, but he didn't. He accepted as the order of the Supreme Lord. Uh. We have uh, Chitraketu, King Chitraketu, and he was, uh, you know, cursed by Goddess Parvati in presence of Lord Shiva. Yes. You know, Lord Shiva actually smiled and he smiled and he accepted that curse, you know, and paid obeisances in return. Good so, examples. Yeah, so yeah. again, so many examples where one after another when the devotees are being cursed, they just take it. Like the two doorkeepers, they didn't retaliate towards the four Kumaras. They, 
they immediately realized the big offense they had committed, you know, in, at the lotus feet of Vaishnava. So they immediately took that, and when Lord Vishnu sanctioned, they just accepted it as his order. Mm. And they understood that this is Supreme's order, and, you know, just go along with the flow. Right. But we get upset when someone takes our parking spot. <laughs> right? Isn't it? You see a nice parking spot near the entrance to the store, and you're about to... Yes. <laughs> so we have to work on our uh, on the animosity program a little bit. Some of us, anyway. Anything else on animosity? Okay. Everyone will be pleased with him because the personality of Godhead, the supreme controller of the universe, is always satisfied with a devotee who does not wish for anything beyond him. It's quite a qualification. Text 48. That topmost devotee of the Lord will have uh, expanded intelligence and expanded influence and will be the greatest of the great souls. Due to mature devotional service, he will certainly be situated in transcendental ecstasy and will enter the spiritual sky after quitting this material world. He will be a virtuously qualified reservoir of all good qualities. He will be jolly and happy in others' happiness, distressed in others' distress, and will have no enemies. He will be a destroyer of the lamentation of all the universes, like the pleasant moon after the summer sun. So it's interesting. His father and his uncle caused all kinds of distress in the universe, right? But here, the grandson, or the, the son, yes, the grandson, will destroy the lamentation of all the universe. And it'll be the reservoir. Imagine what a reservoir is, right? It'll be the reservoir of all good qualities. Your grandson will be able to see inside and outside the Supreme Personality of Godhead whose wife is a beautiful goddess of fortune. The Lord can assume the form desired by the devotee, and his face is always beautifully decorated with earrings. The sage Maitreya said, hearing that her grandson would be a great devotee and that her sons would be killed by Krishna, Diti was highly pleased in mind. Prabhupada writes, Diti was very aggrieved to learn that because of her untimely pregnancy, her sons would be demons and would fight with the Lord. But when she heard that her grandson would be a great devotee and that her two sons would be killed by the Lord, she was very satisfied. As the wife of a great sage and the daughter of a great prajapati, Daksha, she knew that being killed by the personality of Godhead is great fortune. And finally, at the end, the word Brit, Brit Sam, Sham is significant herein because it indicates that Diti was pleased beyond her expectations. So she got a glimpse into the future. Right? Where, do, who, where else do we see a glimpse into the future in the Bhagavad Gita? Chapter 11, Chapter 11 that's right, yes. Where, uh, what, what, where, where is the glimpse? What's the glimpse? 
everybody is getting killed everybody's died in front of me they are all going they're all getting smashed by the teeth yes yes so he uh, he gives him a hint about what's going to happen in the battle of kurukshetra and then he says therefore nimitti matram that you can just become an instrument uh, in in this it's already a done deal so here there, there so that wasn't you know in in I don't know if it was enlivening, but it was certainly edifying to Arjuna to, to learn this about what was going to happen. So here, this is very enlivening to Ditti, that she, that she gets the bigger picture. Now, you see, in our life, we often don't get the bigger picture right away. We often get it in 2020 hindsight, right? But we often don't see how Krishna is acting in our life for our benefit. Um, we don't see the future. We're not trikalagya. We don't see past, present, and future uh, as the Lord does. Um, and and there's a reason for that. If we knew the future, um, it would have you know, uh, it could have some negative effects or even affect to some extent our use of our independence. Right. Like if you knew you were gonna die when you're 93 years old, you might say, eh, I'll take up bhakti when I'm 92 and a half. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, yes, yes. You know, there's different reasons that Krishna allows for remembrance and forgetfulness and not having uh, knowledge of the future. Even like you ever walk away from an astrologer and you think, hmm. you know. I have a friend of mine who's a terrible, uh, probably not a bad astrologer, but has terrible bedside manners. You know, what do they call it? Like bedside manners, like a doctor, right? So, you know, he'll say things like, you know, have you had a major accident that your head was smashed in? <laughs> not yet, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so... <laughs> So Ditti, though, heard, heard this information and she became so, because she, you know, she was obviously not feeling so good when this whole thing happened. She felt she offended Lord Shiva. Her husband criticized her. But then she said, okay, please. so two good, two things, right? Or in one sense, you get three things. Her two sons are going to be killed by the Lord. Good stuff. And the grandson is going to be this great devotee. So she was thinking also, she might have also been thinking, like we sometimes think, right, where, uh, okay, well, uh, you know, so many generations are delivered forward and backward, so Prahlad Maharaj is going to be a great devotee. I'm good, right? I sometimes tell my son, you better become a good devotee so you can deliver me. Any thoughts on this? Talking about the 2020 hindsight, but many times that's also very helpful because at least it helps me to process things in a very thoughtful manner. Okay, I could have done that and taken a different uh, result out of that, but I pursued this path and now I, it's a learning experience for me. And when I find myself in a similar situation, even if I don't see the bigger picture, at least I have that faith and trust in me to say, okay, I, I do not understand the big picture, but I can still go ahead with, right. the, uh, uh, with the situation now and then see what the, wh how it unfolds. Yes, so we want to have faith that there is a big picture. We may not see it all, but Krishna has a plan for us. 
and at least know what is the next step. What is the next baby step even sometimes in, in, in choosing that. And sometimes that takes prayer, um, thoughtfulness, consulting with other devotees. Sometimes it takes time because Krishna has a different watch than we have on. So it can also take time. Um, yeah. And, and we do have choices and we try to make the right choice. You know, there's that famous uh, Robert Frost poem that, what is it? Two roads diverge in the forest. Uh, I took the one less traveled on and that made all the difference. Right? And then Yogi Berra had, uh, said, if you see a fork in the road, pick it up. <laughs> anyway, his... He was a bit more of a <laughs> literalist <laughs> than Robert Frost. Um, but yeah, sometimes we don't know exactly which choice to make and things. But sometimes, I think most of the time, the choices are pretty clear. Yeah. But life is a, a lot of choices. Yes. Jiva? Hare Krishna. So also, you know, this... Uh, experience of Diti and her, uh, you know, response also reveals because from the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, we hear what the effect of Kali age is going to be. Prayanal Paisha Sabya Kalavasmin Yogijena Manda Sumanda Matyo Manbhagya So we understand that not just of this age means we are born in this age. So we will be influenced, you know, by this, like short lives, unlucky, dis always disturbed, you know, and so forth. So now we, Srimad Bhagavatam, this, this experience tells us, you know, from Srimad Bhagavatam, Diti's own case, when she heard it was another thing, but later on when she experienced her son's dying, she actually became angry. First she lamented, then she became angry and wanted to kill Indra. Yeah. Near the end of sixth scan. Sometimes we forget. So if we forget. We <laughs> so, you know, there is a difference between a theory and in practice. So it's always good to know that this is not just some other story going on. This is something that happens in life. And we should prepare ourselves looking at others' examples as how they react. And she was able to overcome that only through devotional service. Yeah, so That's the challenge is to, is to bring together the philosophy and our practice yes. so that they are as close to being one and the same as possible. And she had a great guide. Because her husband directed her. He actually... Yeah, tricked her into taking to devotional yeah. service, which purified her heart. Even in the Mahabharata, right, there's a few places where Arjuna is still a little hesitant, even after the Bhagavad Gita was spoken. Right? Yeah. Okay, we're moving on to the description of the kingdom of God, chapter 15. Sri Maitreya said, My dear Vidura, Diti, the wife of the sage Kasyapa, could understand that the sons within her womb would be a cause of disturbance to the demigods. As such, she continuously bore the powerful semen of Kasyapa Muni, which was meant to give trouble to others for 100 years. You couldn't do that probably today. It's a different yuga, different program. By the force of, pregnancies, uh, by, uh, by the force of the pregnancy of Diti, the light of the sun and the moon was impaired in all the planets. These, these were like heavy demons. <laughs> And the demigods of various planets, being disturbed by that force, asked the creator of the universe, Brahma, 
What is the expansion of darkness in all directions? Now, actually, let's talk about that for a second. We're talking, trying to, uh, it'll probably come up again a little bit more in the Sunday open house, but uh, the Sunday open house this week is a really hard topic. I've been struggling how to present it in a half hour way, but it's, uh, it's on the topic of a chintya beta abheda tattva. What? Today? Aj? Um, so achincha means inconceivable. Uh, beta means different. Abeda means same, right? But the, the key word here is achincha, uh, inconceivable. So things that took, things that take place in other yugas, things that take place in other times, it, it, we're so limited by the little that we know now and the little that we you know read about in science and things like that. Um, but the Bhagavatam is either like really far out mythology or it's explaining a, a times and places that are chincha, that are inconceivable to our tiny brain. So, you know, a woman deciding to keep a child within a room for a hundred years, that is not something that you're going to find today, right? No, that's uh, unlikely to happen. And we don't know, um, does anyone know which yuga this took place? You do? Satya? Pakka. Uh, this happened in Satya. And also, uh, Kayadu, the mother of Prahlad Maharaj, wife of Hirakashipu, she had Prahlad Maharaj in a womb for the hundred years while Hirakashipu was yeah. doing the austerity. So, again, these are heavenly planets. So, these are different times, right. different places, different circumstances. And, you know, when you think of Rahadev, <coughs> coming out of the nostril of Lord Brahma. So, you know, Srila Prabhupada would defiantly state that, we, that the Shastra says this. It actually happened. He didn't, you know, he, he even criticized, you know, uh, people who would try to um, make, uh, is it, met, I guess, metaphors or analogies? No. Similes? Metaphors out of, like, you know, the five Pandavas right, or the uh, five senses, right, and the Kurukshetra is the, the body and things like that. But he's, no, there's, <laughs> you can go, it's north of Delhi, you can go to Kurukshetra, right. So um, it's, it's one sense, it's easy to understand if we accept the inconceivable nature of the Lord, that it's actually inconceivable. And that even things of this world that we take for granted are inconceivable. You know, the simple thing like a banyan tree creating so many seeds that can create so many more banyan trees, right? Or just taking any seed, right? Just a seed, put it in the earth and add water. And it grows. That, you know, that, that's a miracle in one sense, right? Uh, all seeds smell the same pretty much. They don't have usually any smell. You put them in earth, add water, and the rose has this smell, and then the other flower has that smell. Right? So there's a lot of inconceivable things, uh, even, even in this world. So these are not... Uh, um, a devotee develops uh, a... Uh, I don't know if faith is the right word, but an acceptance of what's stated in the Shastra. Because, you know, a lot of it, the Shastra makes sense. 
And then there's some things that, that are just beyond our, like Vamanadev uh, expanding three steps, right? Uh, like that. Or the uh, turning of the Mandara mountain, etc. Any thoughts on this? Okay. Text three. The fortunate demigod said, Oh, great one, just see this darkness, which you know very well and which is causing us anxieties. Because the influence of time cannot touch you, there is nothing unmanifest before you. O, o God of the demigods, sustainer of the universe, head jewel of all the demigods and other planets, you know the intentions of all living entities in both the spiritual and material word, worlds. And Prabhupada here says that Brahma is almost on an equal footing with the Lord. Of course, we know from other places that there's no comparison, right? Like the Brahma Mohan Lila in the 10th canto. O original source of strength and scientific knowledge, all obeisances unto you. You have accepted the differentiated mode of passion <coughs> from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. With the, help of ex with the help of external energy, you are born of the unmanifested source, all obeisances unto you. O Lord, all these planets exist within yourself and all the living entities are generated from you. Therefore, you are the cause of this universe and anyone who meditates upon you without deviation attains devotional service. You're kind of wondering with all this glorification, what, what do they want, right? If somebody comes up to you and say, oh, you're such a nice, you lead such a nice kirtan. You're like, okay, what do you want, <laughs> right? Isn't that, isn't it? <laughs> There is no defeat in this, in this material world for persons who control the mind and senses by controlling the breathing process and who are therefore experienced mature mystics. This is because by such perfection in yoga, they have attained your mercy. And Prabhupada writes at the end of the purport. In other words, one cannot attain the mercy and benediction of the Supreme Lord until one is able to control the mind and senses. Now, even in that sense, uh, you can't stop at that sentence, right? There's more to it, isn't there? Is it, or is it our philosophy that uh, you can't attain Krishna's mercy uh, until you're able to control your mind and senses? Well, you know, yes and no, but let's continue. This is actually possible when one fully engages in Krishna consciousness. A person whose senses and mind are always engaged in the transcendental service of the Lord has no possibility of engaging in material activity. So really, he's, say, you know, he's saying, yes, you can't attain Krishna without controlling your mind and senses, but how do you control your mind and senses? By engaging fully in the service of the Lord. All right. Make sense? The devotees of the Lord are not defeated anywhere in the universe. It is stated, Narayana Parasarve, that's that verse that you were uh, referring to a few minutes ago. Nakutas Chanyabidyate, that's the Swarga Pavarga Narakeshu Apitu Yarta Darshanam? Yeah, no, Apitu Yarta. Jeez, you guys are just useless. Darshani, I was right, Darshana, I was right. For once. <laughs> Now I lost my spot on this uh, computer. What verse are we on? 
Okay. Yes. Yes. So, so um, they're not defeated anywhere. They. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It is stated, Narayana Parasarve, one who is Narayana Para, or a devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is not afraid anywhere, whether he is sent to hell or promoted to heaven. So the devotees, we've talked about this, the devotees' only fear is forgetting Krishna. If only that was our only fear. That would be pretty good. It's generally uh, not our only fear. Any thoughts on that? Okay, so now we're going to talk about salt. All the living entities, text 8, within, this, within the universe are conducted by the Vedic directions as a bull is directed by the rope attached to its nose. No one can violate the rules laid down in the Vedic literatures. To the chief person who has contributed the Vedas, we offer our respects. Prabhupada writes, the Vedic literatures are the laws of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So there he again is um, talking about faith in Shastra. One cannot violate the injunctions given in the Vedic literatures any more than one can violate the state laws. Any living creature who wants real benefit in life must act according to the direction of the Vedic literature. The conditioned souls have come to this material world for material sense gratification. Who have come? material sense are regulated by the injunctions of the Vedic literature. Sense gratification is like salt. One cannot take too much or too little. But one must take some salt in order to make one's food palatable. Those conditioned souls who have come to this material world should utilize their senses, excuse me, according to the directions of the Vedic literature. Otherwise, they will be put into more miserable conditions of life. No human being or demigod can enact laws like those of the Vedic literature because the Vedic regulations are prescribed by the Supreme Lord. So whether he's talking here specifically about the bhakti literature or not, maybe question, you could question, he may be referring generally to the Vedas and uh, the Karmakanda section of the Vedas even, right? Which prescribes certain, uh, even sense gratification for gradual elevation. But let's take this salt example. A little further, Prabhupada writes, uh, no, he spoke this in the Bhagavatam class in 1969. I'll give you another example. We require little salt with our food. But if you take more salt, the food becomes, he just says indistinct, but obviously it's not very palatable, right? And if, one, and if there is no salt, you cannot take it. Salt must be there, but to the point. Anyone have this experience? Something that's too salty? And something that's, you ever have a subject that has no salt? Or a dal is no salt? Right? It's pretty rough. Yeah. I don't know if he still is, but I remember Gopal Krishnamarsh was on a no salt diet. And so I was taking lunch with him one day in Delhi. And uh, <laughs> I was eating, taking the same prasadam he was eating. And uh, I said, Maharaj, do you mind if I take some, get some salt? <laughs> so, you know, he got one of the devotees to bring me some salt. And, you know, I put it on everything, you know, except for the sweets, I put it on everything because it was just, but for his health, he was on a no-salt diet. But, wow, it was, it was not easy. 
you know, just to, you know, just try it sometime, a preparation without any salt. And we all know what it's like to have too much salt, right? And what to speak of, I don't want to, you know, upset you too much, but kir, where you put salt instead of sugar. Right? Uh, right, yeah. So we're, all, we're, we're getting the idea of the analogy now, right? That the balance, right? <clears throat> Similarly, so far, our sense gratification, we have got our senses. We have got our mouth, we have got our stomach, we require to eat. So we do not stop eating, but we regulate eating. We regulate your eating that if you want, you eat like this, Krishna Prasadam. Then your life becomes full, then your life becomes full of austerity. If you have sex life in regulated married life, fixed up husband and wife, then it's austerity. If you don't, smoking or intoxicating, we never learned it from our childhood, from our birth. From childhood, we required milk to drink and live, but we have learned by bad association or good association. Similarly, we can give up all these habits by, uh, by bad association or by good association. Well, by good association, we can overcome habits. So, um, some salt is required. So, and probably gives the example that if you're married, you can have children. And for all of us, our you know, greatest sense gratification is taking prashadam. Yes? Oh, yeah, it's okay. Any thoughts on salt? Hare Krishna. I didn't know about uh, Guru Maharaj's uh, no salt diet. Well, this was five or six years ago, so I don't know if it's the same. Okay. But then I lost taste for salt. Achha. I don't know. It just naturally happened. So anytime there's salt in anything, it actually hits me. Achha. Well, that makes your life easier. Save some money on salt. <laughs> salt <laughs> it's one of the cheaper commodities <laughs> in life. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a very nice uh, analogy. Know, that we, because our whole program is different than those who are impersonalists. This, is, this also comes up in the class today. Um, what is the word? We are absolute, absolute relativity, right? Or achintya beta, abeda tattva, right? That abeda means oneness and beta means difference, right? So, um, the problem with Mayavadis or people who only worship the impersonal Brahman is they only get half the picture. They're only accepting the absolute part, but not the relativity part. But Krishna, you can see, Krishna has relativity right there with Radharani. There's, there's relationship, there's, there's manyness, there's variety. So there is the oneness, Parashya Shaktir Vividhaya Suyate. Everything's coming from Krishna. Sarva, Karna, Karnam. He's the Sarva means all. He's the cause of all other causes, right? But he creates Rasavaisaha. He creates relationships. He creates uh, others. Um, <clears throat> so the impersonalist who only gets half the picture, really difficult to be successful because for us, because they deny the senses, right? But we use our senses. We see the beautiful forms. Where can you get such, you know, beautiful outfits and decorations? Uh, 
Uh, I was hearing a lecture the other day by Radhanath Maharaj. He was talking about the early, early days in New Brindavan, where they had no money. Uh, and they would, they would, you know, in the cold of winter and eating the most austere prashadam, right? Just so difficult, so challenging in so many different ways. Anyone knows what West Virginia, the hills of West Virginia is like in the winter? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very austere thing. But he said that uh, um, their sense gratification was seeing the beautiful decorations of Radha Bindavan Chandra every morning at seven o'clock. And they just, and they, they even knew every outfit. They would say, oh, that was Jamastami 1974. That was Radhastami 1973. They, you know, they, 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 they were so focused on the deities, they even knew which every single outfit and had a name for every single outfit that the deities had, right? So we have our, we use our senses to see the beauty of the Lord, to smell the incense of the Lord, to smell the flowers of the Lord, to taste the prashadam of the Lord, to associate with the devotees of the Lord, etc. Uh, we don't deny all that or else we'd really be in trouble because the senses are active by nature. So that is, so we have our salt. And that's, Okay, shall we carry on? Okay, text number nine. The demigods prayed to Brahma, please look upon us mercifully. So now they're asking for their, hey, you know, this is what we want, right? For we have fallen into a miserable condition. Because of the darkness, all our work has been suspended. So like in modern times that would mean you know they all got laid off from their jobs right all of them because they have all this work to do and they all got a pink slip and they're walking out of the office with their box in hand so to speak and going to Lord Brahman saying you know please give us our jobs back as fuel overloads a fire so the embryo created by the semen of Kasyapa in the womb of Diti has caused complete darkness throughout the universe. Sri Maitreya said, Thus Brahma, Lord Brahma, who is understood by transcendental vibration, tried to satisfy the demigods, being pleased with their words of prayer. So he was pleased. They said so many nice things. And, uh, they, and uh, he reciprocated. So Lord Brahma said, My four sons, Sanak, Sanatan, Sananda, and Sanakumar, who were born from my mind, are your predecessors. Sometimes they travel throughout the material and spiritual skies without any definite desire. After thus traveling all over the universe, they also entered into the spiritual sky, for they were freed from all material contamination. In the spiritual sky, there are spiritual planets known as Vaikuntas, which are the residents of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his pure devotees and are worshipped by the residents of all the material planets. Prabhupada writes, the material world is full of cares and anxieties. Does anyone have that experience? No? Yes? Yeah, cares and anxieties. Mm. In any one of the planets, beginning from the highest down to the lowest, Patala, Every living creature must be full of cares and anxieties because, so here's why. In the material world, 
in the material planets, one cannot live eternally. I mean, that's the ultimate. The ultimate thing is that we, we, we leave this world. There's things in between which we hear later in this purport. The living entities, however, are actually eternal. They want an eternal home, an eternal residence, but because of accepting a temporal abode in the material world, they are naturally full of anxiety. So that's the ultimate cause of anxiety. We're eternal. By nature, we understand that deep in our psyche and we're in a temporary atmosphere, even though we are eternal. So that, that creates all kinds of anxiety. In the spiritual sky, the planets are called Vaikuntha because the residents of all these planets are free from all anxieties. For them, there is no question of birth, death, old age, and diseases, and therefore they are not anxious. On the other hand, the residents of the material planets are always afraid of birth, death, disease, and old age, and therefore are full of anxiety. So we may not, uh, these things are at least just around the corner, right? We, you know, if we have a good run of health and we have a job that we're you know, paying the bills and all that, we might think we don't think all the time of death, disease, and old age. But just like you, I often, both I think with devotees and, and non-devotees alike, you meet someone you haven't seen in a while, and often they'll say, how's your health? Right? How are you feeling these days? Um, because it's not a guarantee that it's good. <laughs> right? And old age is totally uh, inevitable. Right? It just, uh, it just happens to everybody. Even the little baby that's just born and so cute, kichikichigu, right? One day we'll, you know, be in a hospice, <laughs> right? Because that's just the, uh, the reality of this world. So there are major anxieties, death, disease, and old age. And then there's all kinds of in-between stuff like taxes and bills and, and, and all kinds of things like that. Or, and especially, of course, relationship based anxieties. Those are probably the number one uh, outside of birth, oh, death, disease, and old age, right? Just not getting along with somebody or worrying about somebody, right? If you're a parent, you always worry about your child. If you're a, an adult child, you worry about your older parents. So there's, there's, there's always something, there's always something to be anxious about, practically speaking, right? I don't know if anyone's had their air, air conditioner breakdown in the last few days. That would be a cause of anxiety for some people. All right, 90 degree weather. So uh, there's, it's, just a, it's just a world, world full of cares and anxieties. Such a powerful sentence. The material world is full of cares and anxieties. So what is the... What is the proper way to, uh, devotional way to react to this fact that there's cares and anxieties in the world? Yes, Mataji? Hold on, we gotta give, can you say that into a microphone again? Do not be disturbed. To not be disturbed. And how do you do that? 
Okay, good. All right. Ah, that's a very good point. So you accept that this is the nature of this world, and it, it just happens. It's like uh, if you're driving on a road and there's some speed bumps, right? You're probably not going to you know, go into reverse and uh, take another road. You just, okay, here's some speed bumps. Go over them slowly, right? And carry on with life. So expect, so yeah, just accepting, okay, here's another one, horrible, like that. I have a family member. She has just one son. She has? One son. One son. Very nice son. She has a very nice son. Never gave her any problems. Never gave her any problems. He's going to be, he's finished. Medicine. Here's a better microphone. Hold on. But you know why she's disturbed? Why? Because he studies too much. Because he what's too much? He studies, he studies too much. He studies too much. <laughs> okay, so, well, it's, that's a good point. It, yeah. If everything's going well in life, in that's also another anxiety. Yes. You get that Lexus and then someone rear-ends you. You will be anxious yeah. or disturbed. Yes, so he's studying too much, his, his social life isn't enough. Yeah, there's, it's just the nature of this world. So that's a, very good, that's a very good realization, that just accepting the fact that these things happen and not being like surprised when they happen. Oh my God, why is this happening? But to accept that, it, okay. What else? How does a devotee deal with uh, the fact that there's always cares and anxieties? Yes? So how does a devotee deal with anxiety? Uh -huh. So um, I had some thoughts, not that I'm an expert on that, but uh, I have come to understanding, so anxiety reasons will be there around us. But we can certainly develop a certain attitude how to look at the reasons. Of what? The causes of anxiety. Oh, trying to understand us. the cause. Yeah. How we can develop an attitude. We can do the best we can. But we should be prepared that these are short-term uh, happenings okay. of, you know, there are dualities around us. Uh -huh. So not only are they going to happen, but they're temporary. They are temporary. Yeah. And like you always explain, Dukhalem Ashashwatam is where we yeah. are. We are in this mystery. Don't sweat the small stuff, as yes, they say, don't right? Don't sweat the small stuff, yeah. And then the subtitle of that book is, and it's all small stuff. Of course, and here are the big stuff, birth, death, disease, and old age. Those are the big ones. So reading the scriptures with the devotees. So hearing scriptures. Engaging yeah. in all these helps, takes us away from the, you know, this anxiety okay. environment around us. For some time at least, we are in a place where we really feel happy, and then we do what we need to do. Nice. Anything else? Yes? Hare Krishna. So realizing that we are not this body, we are the soul. Realizing that we're the soul, we're not this body. Okay. And the soul is eternal. Hare Krishna. Right, so this is actually not affecting me, the soul. My uh, water bill is not affecting me. Because the soul cannot be withered by the wind or moistened by water. <laughs> Even three thousand dollars worth of water. <laughs> chanting, so taking shelter of Krishna. Well, 
Well, okay, so that's another thing. So you said two things there, taking shelter of Krishna, chanting, but also dealing with things practically. You know, it, so we may deal with things philosophically, but also roll up our sleeves and do something about it. And I did that when I got my $3,000 water bill. I wrote the water company and said, what are you talking about? And so right now we're in negotiations about that. Yes, Fu. Uh, one thing comes to my mind is anxiety comes because of a fear, like we had did something. Anxiety comes because of fear. For something, we did something. Self-acceptance, first, like, if we did something wrong, that, like, we should accept that, like, we did something wrong. Oh, if we did and something wrong. That's a, then, basically, that gives us some strength of surrender, that, like, we are surrendering to the Lord, and then, like, from there, we can take some guidance from mm. the seniors, and then, like, doing all the spiritual processes would help. That's uh, a nice point, because all of these things bring fear, don't they? To some extent or another, old age, disease, death. Right? It's, um, I, one of the devotees in our congregation who I'm mentoring, is, he does volunteer work uh, in a hospice. Right? So he's dealing with people who are in the last stages of their life. And you know, it's, it's interesting talking to him about his experiences with, uh, with the people. But in general, um, there's some fear there because you're, you're, so, you're thinking that this is me and this is going away, and what does one hold on to? So, and therefore, Prabhupada, when he was initiated, uh, he was given the name Abhai Charanaravindam, right? Abhai means fear, right? Um, but one who, no, means fearless. Yeah, Abhaya means fear. So Abhaya means fearless, but why fearless? Charanaravindam, because one's taking shelter at the lotus feet of Krishna. One more point I got us like on today's lecture, Diti, she realized that she did something wrong. She accepted it, and with that acceptance, she surrendered to Kashyapa Muni. And then like she started taking the instructions, and she started seeing the light. Like even though because of the acceptance, she can able to see the better things in the action. Uh -huh. uh, if there was no acceptance, that like I particularly I never had acceptance, and then that basically creates anxiety, and then like goes to, into ignorance mode and then do all the things bad. Yeah, sometimes we're so much defending our actions that we're not really to admit that we made a mistake. <laughs> right. Okay, let's go on to verse uh, 15. Well, first 14. In the Vaikuntha planets, all the residents are similar in form to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They all engage in devotional service to the Lord without desires for sense gratification. In the Vaikuntha planets is the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is the original person and who can be understood through the Vedic literature. He is full of the uncontaminated mode of goodness with no place for passion or ignorance. He contributes religious progress for the devotees. And Prabhupada writes, the kingdom of the, spirit, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the spiritual world cannot be understood by any process other than hearing from the descriptions of the Vedas. And a little further, in the material world, there are three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. But in the spiritual world, there is no trace of the modes of passion and ignorance. There is only the mode of goodness, which is uncontaminated by any tinge of ignorance or passion. Let me continue here. 16, and then we're going to talk about 17. 
In those Vaikuntha planets, there are many forests which are very auspicious. In those forests, the trees are desire trees, and in all seasons, they are filled with flowers and fruits because everything in the Vaikuntha planets is spiritual and personal. In the Vaikuntha planets, the inhabitants fly in their airplanes accompanied by their wives and consorts and eternally sing the character of the activities of the Lord, which are always devoid of all inauspicious qualities. While singing the glories of the Lord, they derive even the presence of the blossoming Madhavi flowers, which are fragrant and laden with honey. Prabhupada writes, there are airplanes in, with, in which the inhabitants travel in the spiritual sky with their sweethearts. There is a breeze carrying the fragrance of blossoming flowers, and this breeze is so nice that it also carries the honey of the flowers. The inhabitants of Vaikuntha, however, are, are so interested in glorifying the Lord that they do not like the disturbance of such a nice breeze while they are chanting the Lord's glories. In other words, they are pure devotees. They consider glorification of the Lord more important than their own sense gratification. So the, the, the key here the, and the focus is that just how amazing it is to um, be in this consciousness of just, I am Krishna's servant, I am simply made, meant for his pleasure, and being in that mood, and that that's what our mood is eternally, it's one of relationship, of loving relationships, where we do devotional service even in the spiritual world. And I tried to research, I couldn't find you know, in quick research, I couldn't find too much information about other concept, concepts and other faiths about what are the activities in the spiritual world. There's some idea that you're next to the, the, the Lord or next to Jesus in, uh, in, Christ, in Christianity. And um, uh, Mormonism has three different levels of the spiritual world of the heavenly planets and things. But um, a quick study, I couldn't uh, get this kind of detail where the, the idea is not that you kind of go to heaven or go to the spiritual world to have a good time, so to speak. <laughs> but really, you, um, you're so much in the mood of wanting to glorify and serve and ha exchange loving relationships with Krishna that there's just a, um, this amazing uh, lack of what's in it for me. <laughs> right? You know, this thing with him. Right? It's, a, it's a big thing in the world, you know, what's in it for me. Um, but the only thing that's what's in it for me, for a pure devotee, is how can I give pleasure to, to the Lord? And, that's, and therefore, one can be in the spiritual world today, not by dying and going to the spiritual world, but by developing that consciousness of pure bhakti of just wanting to give pleasure to the Lord, just wanting to give pleasure to Krishna. And then one's already in the spiritual world. You don't need a, like a post-dated check. Well, you know, after I die, I go to heaven. After I die, I go to the spiritual world. One can be the devotional service, bhakti, and the kingdom of God are synonymous. One's already there when one has that consciousness. And that's not easy to develop, or rather it's not easy to maintain throughout the day. Um, uh, anu, anu yasya, uh, what's that verse? Yo, that's the, that's the other verse. That's, uh, no, I was thinking of, um, yeah, anu, no, not that one. The one in the, 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 the part, 
anyabilasita sunyam jnana karma navritam anukulyena krishnanu silanam bhaktirutam that anya anya abilas other ab, ab, other desires become sunyam right or zero and what are those other desires that idea of either trying to become god or uh, just enjoy separately from god um, and rather one serves the lord serves krishna constantly in a favorable mindset. And when, when we do that, then we are already in the spiritual world. So here we're getting a more of a description of what happens in the spiritual sky. Jai Sisi Gornitai, Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman, Shishi Radha Madan Mohan Kijai. So it's a it's a cultivation of an of the most and the interesting thing is even in the material world. Even in this world, generally speaking, the people who are the most happy are those that serve others, right? You know, the person who just, you know, lives in their, their big mansion and just, you know, everything is about me. Generally speaking, they're, not, they're usually the people that, get, you know, altruists and, and philanthropists and, you know, those who are thinking of the needs, the interests and concerns of other people. Uh, uh, so that's that's you know that's a that's a step in the right direction, and when then that's directed to the Lord, and then one feels the reciprocation. Yeyatamam prapadyante, Krishna says in the Gita, um, that reaches its perfection of selflessness. And the interesting thing is that the more selfless we are, it, it indirectly makes. Uh, we, we, we get benefit, benefited unlimitedly <laughs> by not worrying about it. It's just like happiness, right? The more you seek pleasure and happiness, often the more it's just, it's like that carrot, you know, just something you just can't grasp. And the less you think about it and just try to give others pleasure, the more you actually gain pleasure. So that, when applied to Krishna, is what we're hearing here in the residence of the spiritual world. Some thoughts on that? Okay, well, I guess you agree then. All right, then. When the king of bees hums in a high pitch, singing the glories of the Lord, there is a temporary lull in the noise of the pigeon, the cuckoos, the cranes, the chakravakas, the swan, the parrot, the partridge, and the peacock. Such transcendental birds stop their own singing simply to hear the glories of the Lord. So that's their focus. They want to hear the glories of the Lord. Uh, Champak, we're trying to lock that door because it's broken. Yeah. But, yeah. The other door, yes. But you see how it's broken there? No, the other one's okay. But it's... I think we tried, I guess we locked it before, but now it's not locked. <laughs> Although flowering plants like the Mandara, Kunda, uh, Kurabaka, Utpala, Champak, Arna, Punaga, Nagakeshara, I see all these flowers that we don't know what they are in this world, uh, Bakula, Lily, and Parijata are full of transital fragrance. They are still conscious of the austerities performed by Tulsi. For Tulsi is given special preference by the Lord, whose garlands himself, 
who garlands himself with Tulsi leaves. And Prabhupada writes, the importance of Tulsi leaves is very clearly mentioned here. Tulsi plants and their leaves are very important in devotional service. Devotees are recommended to water the Tulsi tree every day and collect the leaves to worship the Lord. One time an atheistic Swami remarked, what is the use of watering the Tulsi plant? It is better to water eggplant. By watering the eggplant, one can get some fruits, but what is the use of watering Tulsi? These foolish creatures, unacquainted with devotional service, sometimes play havoc with the education of people in general. So, um, of course, this is kind of on the esoteric level, but Tulsi is um, Brinda Devi in, the, in Brindavan. So I'm going to read a little bit about this. Do we have time? Yep. This extraordinary arrangement of natural beauty is arranged for Krishna's pleasure by his internal potency, whose personification is known as Brinda Devi. She is a presiding deity of brudges, forests, and groves, and it is after her that Vrindavan has received its name. So even the whole, most holy place in the world, Vrindavan, is named after Brinda Devi or Tulsi. With a golden complexion tinged with the color of kumkum, Brinda Devi always dresses in blue clothing and ensures that the forests of Vrindavan are properly equipped to fulfill all Sri Govinda's needs. When she saw Sri Krishna arriving in Vrindavan, Brinda addressed all the mobile and immobile forest creatures that were suffering from separation from him. Oh, immobile forest creatures that were suffering from, uh, oh friend, the, the forest, immediately, sorry, oh friend, the forest, immediately give up your dizziness of separation. Your beloved Sri Krishna has come to give you all happiness. Rejoice and quickly remind him of your delightful Queen Radha. Showing your innumerable attributes, make your beauty useful by facilitating Krishna's play. O vines, wake up. O trees, blossom. O deer, play around. O cuckoos, sing with the bees. O peacocks, dance happily. O parrots, recite sweet verses. O mobile and immobile creatures, rejoice. Your dear most Krishna has come to make you happy. It is Brinda Devi who controls all mobile and immobile creatures in Vrindavan. It is she who arranges to decorate the groves, the timing of the seasons, and the ingredients of Krishna's pastimes. She is the queen of all goddesses, and in her merciful counterform, the sacred Tulasi tree, her leaves are always to be found at the lotus feet of Krishna. No one can have access to Vrindavan without the mercy of Brinda Devi. And without the mercy of Vrindavan, it is not possible to achieve the favor of Lord Krishna. Therefore, devotees worship Brinda Devi in the forest of Kamyavan, as well as Brinda Devi near Nandagam. Outside of Vrindavan, she may easily be worshipped as the Tulsi tree. All glories to Srimati Tulsi Devi. So there we end with a little talk about Krishna in Vrindavan. Okay, so next week we will... Continue with starting with verse 20, and we'll finish this chapter. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Glories to Srila Prabhupada. Now we will have a, a, a meditation, japa meditation for a half hour, followed by Arti, and then at 1 o'clock a short pravachan, short talk. <laughs>